Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 16. Here's Pastor Ryan. Father, we thank you this morning for your mercy, your love and grace. There's none like you in all the earth. You're the maker of heaven and earth. These beautiful mountains that surround the past area, they're, they're yours. You made them. And Father, the, the, the seas also and all the living creatures, you made it all. You are the one true living God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. I think of Moses. I think of um, Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. I think of um, Joseph when he was in Egypt and Lord, I just think of all of the men that you've used throughout history and the women and your people. You've always been there for them, Lord, and uh, we lift up Israel today, Lord. You have a plan for them, and we pray your blessing and protection upon them and comfort to all those that are suffering, Father. And this morning, we get to open up your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit. Show us the things that we need this morning. For such a time as this, Lord, we need more instruction from your word. You are our shepherd. You are our pastor. Speak to us, Lord. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say amen. amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 16. As you know, the Apostle Paul has been tackling the issue on the resurrection of the dead. In Corinth, there were false teachers who had come in and said, oh, when you die, that's it. Nothing happens afterwards. They didn't believe in a bodily resurrection. And those lies were spreading around to the church. And so Paul dealt with it. And, and he said, no, Christ is risen from the dead. And he is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He died on the cross for our sins, was buried, and rose on the third day for our justification. He died on the cross for the remission of our sins, and he rose for our justification. He is risen, and thus we can rise and have new life, and that's why we have new lives in Christ. And the same Holy Spirit that raised him from the dead is the same Spirit that dwells in you and I if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ. We believe in him, and so we will never die. We go from one tent into the next. And he also spoke about the rapture of the church we believe any, at any moment Christ can come back for his church. He's coming back for his church before the wrath of God is poured out upon a Christ-rejecting world. The Apostle Paul said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all die. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead in will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And so because of the resurrection and the reality that we're going to heaven, because of the reality of the rapture that can happen at any time, there'll be a generation that doesn't die. We're just changed into our new bodies, just like that meeting the Lord in the air. Because of these things, he ends the last chapter by saying, Therefore, my beloved, be my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 
Always be steadfast, he says. Be immovable and abound in the work of the Lord. You see, our duty to Christ is in response to what he has done for us on the cross. The cross it should be the most, the most, the, the greatest motivator to get you and I to be steadfast for the things of God. It should be that one motivating force that gets us to be immovable and abounding in the work of the Lord. It is the love of Christ that compels us to serve him. And if you don't have it this morning and you're waning in your love for the Lord, all you have to do is ask. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. And many a times I've said, Lord, Lord, my heart is cold. Lord, Lord, the passion and the zeal isn't there. The love isn't there that it, that needs to be there. Will you please have mercy and give me a passion and give me a love and a zealousness? May I know the depth and the height and the width of your love so that I can respond to it and say, yes, here I am. Sign me up, sir. What do you want me to do? Be steadfast, my beloved, therefore, because of these things. And so he talks about the, this wonderful reality that we are seated, already seated in the heavenly places. All we need is our new bodies and we're there. It's already done. But we're here. And so he says to, to be faithful and then he gives us practical uh, ways as to how to do that. He says here in verse 1, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches in Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. And when I come, whomever you approve by your letters... I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. But if it is fitting that I go also, they will go with me. And so one of the most practical ways for believers to respond to the grace of God in our lives is to be caring for those who are in need and to give, to give to God. Part of our giving is, or our giving is a direct response to the love of Christ in our lives. And he's giving the church here at Corinth a practical way. He says here, as I have ordered to the churches in Galatia, so I also speak to you. They wanted, he wanted to uh, gather uh, some funds for the struggling church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem of all places, where it all started, where our Lord was crucified. As we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem even today, Jerusalem has always been an issue, hasn't it? But Jerusalem in our story was the church there had problems. In the book of Acts chapter 4, we see that the, the early church was super blessed. The grace of God was poured out on the early church. Everyone was excited. The Lord had just ascended into heaven. The church was on fire. They had come together. And it says in Acts chapter 4 that they were of one heart and of one soul. Can you imagine that? The church was of one heart and of one soul. They were like as one man, all together, all unified. And they didn't consider their personal possessions to be their own. Can you imagine that? Everyone's individual possessions, they were so filled with the Spirit, they were so in love with God, that they considered the things that they possessed to not be their own, but for every 
buddy. It says that they had all things in common. And all who were possessors of lands and houses sold them and brought their proceeds of the things that were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. That's hardcore. They thought that the Lord can come back at any moment back then to establish his kingdom, guys. They thought that he would come. So they figured, well, why keep the farm, right? So they sold the farm, the house, and got the proceeds, and they laid them at the feet of the apostles. And the apostles took the money, and they distributed to those who were in need. Well, they learned a lesson. Though they were on fire and full of grace, they, there was lessons to learn. God has called us to occupy while we wait for his return. We are to occupy. In Luke 19, it tells us that very thing. He says, occupy until I come. Occupy until I come. And we're still occupying. Amen? We're told in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, concerning the newly converted person or criminal. The newly converted criminal. Let him that stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands. The thing, uh, with, let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good, or that thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. God spoke to the newly converted person that you used to steal, steal no more, but work with your hands. It wasn't just so that they can make a living, but it was that they would have something to be able to give. The way God looks at it, our occupations, our jobs, our businesses, God has given those things, not just for our livelihood, but with the idea that you would have something to give, that I would have something to give. Do you know that? It says it right there in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. And so... We are to occupy it, and maybe someone needs to hear it here today. If you don't have a job, seek to be employed, amen? Unless you're retired, age of retirement. But if you're still, you know, of working age, it's good for you to work. We're called to work as Christians, to, to do what we must to find a job. As they say in the old days, pound the pavement. It's not a shame to not have a job, but it is a shame to not look for one and just sit around eating Cheetos. (laughs) And we must look for work. That's our job when we don't have a job, to look for work. Does that make sense? In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, Neither should he eat. Parents, grandparents, do you have any young people around that should be working now? Encourage them to get a jobby job. It's good for them. They're called to work. Get them to work, to learn, to grow up and make a living. Amen? Now concerning the collection for the saints, he says, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. And I love the fact that he lets them know 
As it's been ordered for the churches in Galatia, so it's been ordered for you. Paul is writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is God's heart. God's heart is for the churches in in Galatia to give, but it's also God's heart that the church at Corinth give as well. There's an equality with God. Even today, it doesn't change. All the true churches that honor the name of Jesus Christ, that preach and teach his word, the true churches of Jesus Christ, listen, nothing has changed. God calls all of the churches to be givers. He calls all of the churches equally. Not one, but not the other, and then kind of picky and choosy thing. Everyone is supposed to give uh, 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 equally, and that's how God uh, uh, puts it. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 13 through 14, it says, for, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by unequality. God desires that there be an equality amongst the churches. And we all should care for the church as a whole around the world. If we can bless a church that's hurting financially, that's a wonderful thing to do as the churches here are, are gathering up for Jerusalem. Um, but we should keep in mind that we're all called to give in the church that we call home. Amen? Amen. Oh, it's one of those messages? Lock the doors. No. God calls us to care for the physical needs of those who care for us spiritually. That is the law of the Lord. That is from God's hand. Whoever cares for you spiritually, it's your duty to care for them materially. Um, And that's, again, across the board. God sees it that way. Paul writes about this issue about him traveling to Jerusalem to take the funds there. In Romans 15, 25, 15 verses 25 through 27, this is what he says, but now I am going to Jerusalem to minister to the saints, for it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. It pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in the material things. Paul the Apostle said that the churches in Macedonia and Achaia, when they heard about the trouble, the troubled church in Jerusalem, they were happy to put money together to send to them. And Paul the Apostle says it's because they're debtors to them. They owe them anyways. Why would they owe the church in Jerusalem? Because that's where our faith started from. Your king and my king, Jesus Christ, was crucified on Golgotha in the city called Jerusalem. The church was started there, right? And so it started there and it spread. And everybody else got blessed because it started there and then it went out into the Gentile world. And so the Gentile world, Paul looked at at it as their indebtors to the first Christians who got the message to you. And how important is that message to you and I today? See, the gospel reached you and I as well. How much is that worth? You see, it should be the love of Christ that compels us to give. He has done so much for us. The gospel message that saves us from hell and puts us into heaven 
got to you and got to me. And we too are debtors. And as he says to the, the Roman church that they were happy to give because they're debtors, because they received this spiritual blessing from Jerusalem, it's only their duty to now take care of their material things or to minister their material things. And so it is God's heart that whatever church you call home, if you get fed, this is your home and you're getting taken care of spiritually, God would say, now take care of the church's physical needs. Take care of your ministers that care for you. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, Paul tells Timothy, let the elders who rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. In God's estimation, elders, ministers, especially those who labor in the word, he says that they are worthy of double honor. Double honor. Isn't that an interesting language that God would say? God loves us all equally, but in his view, the position of teaching is so serious to God. He says, let not many of you become teachers because there is a stricter judgment. I believe as Christians, everyone in this room has a target on their back from the devil. But I say this humbly, it's bigger on my back because I'm up here. God says the ministers are to be worthy of double honor, those who rule well, those who teach the word of God. If you're fed, if this is your home, God says, it's your duty. He would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 through 8, 11, he says, whoever goes, to, whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt it is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be partner of his hope. Uh, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap material things? Paul said it there. He took care of so many people's spiritual needs. He's saying, is it a big thing that I receive from you material things? And so God desires that he who plows should plow in hope. God desires that he who works a job should work it in hope. Think about that job you got, your favorite job. That one, you when you, you prepared for the interview, you got all dolled up, put your best face on, and you went, and you, oh, Lord, please, oh, please, please bless me with this job. And you know that job. And then you got it. And that first week, you're at work, and you hit up the coworker. When's payday? <laughs> and that whole month, you're working in hope. You just can't wait to payday. That's how it should feel ministering. We labor in the word. 
it's a labor. Let me tell you, it's not. Maybe busting up rocks seems harder, but I've learned that this is pretty hard too. And God wants his ministers to be able to take care of their families, labor and hold, not worry about the small things like money. The small thing, we got bigger fish to fry. You don't want ministers worrying about the budget of the church. It should be steady. Yeah, I really don't know anybody who's worked for free. Anybody? Would you do that? I'm calling my union rep. Where's my paycheck? So. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside. What day of the week? And what day is that? And whose day is that? The Lord's day. And why? Because Jesus rose on the third day, on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. So God even gives practical application. Like this is, you have to lay something aside, is what Paul says. Because if you don't lay it aside, you won't lay it aside. You'll spend it, right? Oops, did I forget about tithe? I tease, but uh, I know I'm, I'm guilty of it. You know, the early days, forgetting. I told first service that it, uh, when I first tithed, back when I first got saved, it was not, I remember the first $40 I put in and I, I did not give it as a cheerful giver, not at all. <laughs> it, it taught me how to pray. I'm broke, God, don't you care? <laughs> But it got easier. It got easier. But we're told to put it aside here. Lay it aside. You know, it's like even, even when I do my budget now, I don't, I don't put tithing like third on the list or fifth. It's first. The light bill is irrelevant to tithe. Number one is tithe and mortgage and everything else comes under my, my budget. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 through 12, God says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Think about that. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. He says to test me in this, that I will not blow your mind. If you would honor me with the tithes and the offerings, and some would say, well, we're not under the law. We're not the Israelites. Yeah, we're under a lot. We're under a, a, a larger weight, which is the grace of the cross that saved us from the pit of hell. How much more? Us. That's just a good reference point. But I believe that if we honor God with the first 
uh, with our tithes, with the first of our increase, monthly, weekly, whenever God gives to us, if we honor him, he says to try me, to test me in this, see if I do not open up the windows of heaven and bless you with such a blessing that you cannot even, it'll blow your mind, you can't even contain it. So here I am, kid from Almani, got my diploma from a continuation school a summer after the rest of the kids. Maybe close to two years of a general ed uh, community college credits or units or whatever they call them. That's it. He got me in the door at Caltrans into one door, then another door, then another door. Just, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I didn't have the skills. God gave me the skills. As I... Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m., and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.